This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to the MVFC First and Goal podcast. I'm Kelly Burke. And my guest today is the energetic play-by-play voice of Indiana State Athletics, Luke Martin, who also happens to be their digital media coordinator. Luke, how are you today, my friend? You know, Kelly, I'm doing great. One, appreciate the invite. And it is. There's a lot of great vibes going on with Indiana State right now. The men just picked up a huge win against Western Kentucky, who's going to have an outstanding season in the Conference USA. When they they beat West Virginia in the non-conference portion of the schedule. They almost won their preseason tournament uh, down there in Myrtle Beach just a week ago. So great vibes right now. Vicki Hall is doing a great job with our women's program as well. And I know we'll talk about it here on the podcast, but what a year uh, Coach Mallory's done in rebuilding this football program and quite frankly really making people in this town care about football again and it's really the first time in a long time I think Terre Haute has really cared uh, about Indiana State football and the year they had and what a magical run it was. It's an exciting time to be a, a sycamore right now. It is. And I, I mean, I always say that even a year ago uh, when we were 0-11 in football and it was a struggle. Uh, it's just been such a joy to be here each and every day and to have a chance for me. You mentioned my role as digital media coordinator. I get my hand really in every other sport and I get to know all of our coaches. I get to know all of our athletes. And even though my passion is play by play and what I want to do from a football standpoint, basketball standpoint, and kind of with those major sports, I really enjoy my digital media role because it allows me to get to know and tell stories about all of our athletes, whether it's softball with Coach Pooch, whether it's you, Brad, and the crew coming for track and field for our championships, which we'll do again for track and field later uh, in the spring. So there's a lot about this job that I really enjoy. And, and number one, it's all the relationships you get to build with a lot of different people from a lot of different sports. Luke, let's start, since you brought up football, let's start with football. We are taping this the Monday after the first round of the FCS playoffs. And after seeing the scores of the game, I don't know if you got to catch any of the games this weekend, what still bothers you the most about Indiana State football being left out of that FCS playoff field? Well, I'll tell you what hurts the most is, and I was able to watch the selection show with the team. Uh, We watched it as a team a week ago now. And it just hurt because you you felt for the seniors. Um, You know, Ryan Boyle, uh, Titus McCoy, Dante Hendricks, Jonas Griffith, all those guys we just mentioned will get another shot. They'll have a chance to play again. But Cottrell Moss, Rondell Green, Pashawn Powell, so many others, Tate Levitt, Jaquan Keys, those guys won't get another chance. And that's what makes you feel awful. Um, It wasn't just the fact that this team deserved to go. Of course, we felt that they deserved to go. It's just those seniors don't get another chance. And this team was so much fun to be around. You know, Coach Maller and I talked about it on his TV show a week ago. And that's – you can look at any other teams and say whatever. I mean – For me personally, and I can only speak how I felt, what I felt was most frustrating is when I heard the committee chair said Indiana State had no competitive wins uh, down the stretch. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I I just felt it was garbage. I mean, there's no other way to describe that. And I was really, I I don't want to say shocked because I have so much respect 
for the folks in Fargo, and that goes beyond just Coach Kleiman. Uh, you know, Grant Olson has spoken so highly of his alma mater, and we know Grant and love Grant to death and his wife Amy. They've been huge impacts here in Terre Haute. But to hear what Coach Kleiman said in his press conference was really unprovoked. Uh, it was a genuine comment. It meant so much to all of us because it kind of just – when you, when you go through it kind of yourself, you think you're by yourself, uh, that, well, maybe we're the only ones that feel that way. Uh, to know that there were other people that felt that way and, and really felt this past weekend justified that, fantastic. But what we've tried to do, at least internally for me, when I talk to the seniors and they bring up the frustrations of not being able to play again, I know they would trade anything to go to the playoffs and just play a game. But they won five straight to end their careers. They won five straight in the toughest league at the FCS level. They go out winners. They had a winning season. They won seven games. Nobody besides one person voted that they would not finish last. There was only one person that didn't vote for them to finish dead last. They proved everybody wrong. And I know the ending of that. They wanted another week, and they felt like they were going to get another week. But there's no reason for them to hang their heads, and they need to remember that they won five straight in the toughest league. And the fashions they won those yeah. games. You know, They beat Youngstown State handily. They win in the snow, in the sleet at Western Illinois in a last-second field goal. There's so many positives to look for, but at the same time, I understand, and because I still feel that way, there's going to be a little bit of frustration that you're always going to hold on to because you felt that you were owed another week. You're one of many. I'm one of many that felt that Indiana State got robbed. Um, you know, I went on a radio show in Fargo that I go on every Monday and said, I, I mean, I was pissed. I got off an airplane and I, I was yeah. on an airplane when the selection show happened. And I literally was livid when I got off the plane and saw that you guys didn't make it. I just... I don't, it's incomprehensible to me um, when you look at what you're able to do, especially because, you know, we had your game, that first conference game of the season, when you guys were shut out by Northern Iowa. And to think the steps that you built on from there, you know, going even to the the next week when you took on South Dakota State and took them to overtime. um, And to think, you know, that that game against the Jackrabbits and Missouri State, imagine if the ball bounces the other way in either of those losses. But as you mentioned, to go five wins to end the season in the toughest league in the country, uh, it just speaks so much about the character of this team. It does, and I thought Cottrell Moss worded it perfectly. You know, the committee didn't lose the games, and the committee didn't win the games either for Indiana State. Uh, there's no doubt that Indiana State could have helped themselves in, in winning some of those games. But I, at the same time, it's like you said. It's just you feel you feel horrible for those seniors because you just felt they had another week. But me internally, I mean, even after that Western game, you know, I was looking around trying to read all of the – you know, the predictions and all the different publications. And there were some that had us out. And, you know, I made sure, at least from my standpoint, I didn't clearly say, hey, we're going to be in. You know, there was still something in the back of our mind or at least in the back of my mind that now I felt it was a very small percentage. I didn't think it was great. I mean, I walked in on the Memorial Stadium that Sunday afternoon, that Sunday morning, expecting to see Indiana State in the field. And when it didn't happen, uh, it was hard. Uh, the Monday after was even harder, uh, you know, when you're talking to Coach Mallory and the season's over. And Tuesday, when you're expecting to be out of Memorial Stadium yeah. for a practice, it was even harder. So I feel for those guys. They busted their tails. They had a great year. Um, but I think anybody can tell uh, that's kind of when you deal with a committee, you just never know. And that's why kind of the phrase or what they're going to embody in the offseason is for next year, leave no doubt. Uh, when you're on that bubble – 
you really got to say some prayers and hopefully that you know the committee's going to be able to reward you for it. Uh, but this committee clearly spoke that the Southland and the Missouri Valley Football Conference were even this year. Yeah. That 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 was their message. That's what they said. I don't agree with it. I know you don't agree with it. I know I know a lot of folks in the valley do not agree with it. But that's the message they sent. Got to take it for what it's worth. Work hard. They had their first team meeting yesterday, so they're already they start lifting today. So it's it's already on the 2019 for Indiana State football. I love that slogan. Leave no doubt. That's uh, very clever. From an insider's perspective, Luke, of somebody that is around this football team day in day out. How was this team able to go from 0 and 11 to 7 and 4 and be the most improved team in all of the FCS? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to it. I think number 1 is coach Mallory and this staff always has instilled a belief in them. You know, a year ago when they were 0 and 11 and they were getting their tails kicked in, I think the average score in the valley was 50 to 10. There wasn't one game within one possession at halftime. Uh, when you think of all those Valley games a year ago. So they weren't even in games, but the team still fought. They just didn't really have talent. Uh, there are a lot of young guys that were thrown into the fire, baptism by fire, a popular cliche and phrase. And that's what they went through a year ago. But there really wasn't a time where you felt, and he just wasn't talented. You know, They just didn't really have a lot of uh, guys that were ready for that level yet. So what did they do? They went and they added Big Tuna on the offensive line, Isaiah Edwards. They added Tate Levitt, a drop down from Kentucky. Those two guys... Also with the maturity of Kevin Kachowski, of James Lang, of Wyatt Wozniak, that offensive line was outstanding. And then you throw in Lex Sowers and Mason Fleckler, who could kind of come in, be a six-man offensive line, sometimes be a seven-man offensive line with those two being a tight end for the later half of the year. That really allowed all of the weapons to be able to do what they did. And then you had Ryan Boyle. I mean, there is so much to say about Ryan Boyle, the newcomer of the year in the Valley. I could run through all of his stats. But what really Ryan added was consistent leadership. He's a winner. And he came from a program in Iowa. He didn't play. But he was able to use that experience he had at a big-time level. I mean, he was on a Rose Bowl team at Iowa. He's been around a lot of success. He just never got the chance to play. And I think that's what makes it even more remarkable for Ryan is the fact that it's been basically since high school that he took a snap as a quarterback in an actual game. And to see what he did all year long was just – it really was jaw-dropping, uh, to be quite honest with you. But uh, Ryan being added, the improvement of Jaquan Keys, you had the talented wide receiving core, which at the beginning of the year – we thought Michael Thomas was lost for the season. Uh, he did not practice the first day of fall camp. He had a torn labrum in his hip. What does he decide to do? Postpone his surgery and play through it and give it a shot. And he played through the first four games of the year. The pain was just too much. He got shut down and said, I need to have the surgery. Well, then Rontrez Morgan rose to the occasion, had 155 yards, two touchdowns in that South Dakota State game, broke his wrist in the first quarter and was done and ended up coming back and playing against Western Illinois. And then Dante Hendricks had a outstanding year he broke his ankle a year ago in the walkthrough the day prior to the eastern illinois opener he would have played significant minutes a year ago and he was up for the freshman of the year in our league and deservingly so uh, dante had a great year so no doubt they were just better players and then defensively i mean what can you say about jonas griffith and Catrell moss two guys where i always told whoever it was i, I always like when I, in my preparation i always enjoy talking to the opposing play-by-play -play guy uh, the week of and just share notes and also just share storylines and I always told him whether it was Mike Reese Dick Lucky I said all you gotta do is close your eyes and just say Jonas Griffith or Cottrell Moss and I guarantee you they made the tackle <laughs> uh, 
that's what those guys did. They were surrounded everywhere. They were outstanding all year long. Uh, but just, I mean, I know, Kelly, everyone asked me that question, like, what was the biggest difference? And, and, and part of it is just better players. I mean, it's not really that much of a secret. Uh, it's, it's guys just getting better, buying in, but also coming together as a team. And I've just never... I've been around, I mean, I'm only 26, but I've been around teams since I was in high school. I've never seen a team, like you mentioned earlier, improve as much as the year goes on. And not to backtrack a little bit to, you know, the committee got also our injury report and the guys we were without. Yeah. I mean, that those five straight wins, four of those five came without Jaquan Keys. Yeah. Uh, all of those five came without Christian Covington, who I think really gets overlooked because Cove was our second best tailback. We were without our top two tailbacks. Yeah. Uh, and speaking, the the one tailback, uh, in my eyes, uh, is a first teamer and the best running back in this league in Jaquan Keys. So there was a lot lost, yet this team rallied because they believed in one another. And you get and you just can't have belief. I mean, belief is something that is. It's just something that does develop, but it's something your team just got to have. And this team has it because Cottrell Moss put it perfectly on his Twitter. Coach Mallory has a fire about him and a fire internally that I've never seen uh, in a coach. Uh, and it's so funny. And I know I tell him this a lot when I get a chance to talk to him. I, just, I was not alive during his dad's heyday at Indiana. But anybody I talk to that hears Kurt go through, Coach Mallory go through his speeches, they say, wow, that sounds just like Bill Mallory. Hmm. Um, And it really does. And his fire is exactly what his dad had. And it's a genuine genuine personality. It's somebody that you can have a connection with. And the reason this team went from 0-11 to 7-4, no doubt it's better players. But it's better players also buying into the message and wanting to buy into each other. And that's exactly what... And the reason is it's be, it's because of this coaching staff, and not just Coach Mallory, but the whole staff from Jeff Eklinski, Brad Wilson, all the way down those top two coordinators throughout. You know, Coach Switz, Mike Switz did a great job at the offensive line. Joe Hastings at wide receiver, Grant Olson with the linebackers, Deion Broomfield in the secondary. I mean, you can go on and on. Coach Smith, defensive line. I know I'm forgetting others, but this <laughs> is a really great staff, and you got to have better players. But you have got to have a consistent and a staff that is together. And that's not always the case wherever you look. What do you think happened you know, after that Northern Iowa loss? Because, you know, it just kind of seemed like a almost like a light switch was flicked. Uh, because after a, a devastating loss like that where you get shut out at home, I mean, it could have easily gone the other way for the season. Uh, and it didn't. And do you think a lot of that goes back to last season just – the way that they lost last year and being fed up about that. Yeah, you know, and I remember that week very well because we were coming off a bye. Northern Iowa played on Saturday, and it was a Saturday game at about like 4 o'clock for them, so it didn't end until about 8 o'clock. I mean, they flew in the day of of the game because of the weirdness of the week, and we felt really confident that, hey, practice was great. The guys were locked in. They were ready to go, and – you know, you look at the score, thirty-three nothing, and it looks like a beatdown. And I mean, it was nine nothing at halftime. Yeah, no, it was, State it was it, close you know, for the first half. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was close for the first half. Now the second half is when Northern Iowa. What what was the concern? And I felt was I thought Indiana State would be competitive this year. I really did. I honestly did. But I thought, what's going to happen in the second half? You know, I felt those guys on the first string, the guys that were up at the top, were good enough. But what happens when you need more depth? What happens as that game gets into the third and fourth quarter? Is this team going to be physically 
ready to compete. In that Northern Iowa game, it seemed like they maybe they weren't. And and that's what was a concern. You know, you left Northern Iowa losing 33 nothing, but kind of like you know, I kind of felt at the very end, I mean, even though the game was different, at the end of it, it kind of felt, man, maybe, maybe we still got a long way to go. Uh, but but those guys took that, and they learned from it. They went back. They watched the film. They were very constructive. They they knew what they had to improve on, and no one gave them a chance that following week against South Dakota State. And what they did that night, trailing by 18 points two different times in the second half to force overtime, and I know that's a game Coach Mallory really kicks himself because he felt like he kind of cost the game a little bit. They had some clock mismanagement on that last drive in regulation that he felt they could have got one more play. Um, but unfortunately, just with the miscommunication, they literally only had one shot at the end zone instead of having two. Uh, and I think we all felt if we had one more shot because South Dakota State was so gassed at the end of that game that maybe they could have got into the end zone and would have won the darn game. Um, but yeah, I think that Northern Iowa game give credit to the guys they watched it critically they knew they made mistake but not one time not one time did they ever feel like man this is like last year um for us from time to time you know it was just a little bit deflating because you felt that was going to be a statement game i think i told you and scott and everybody on that conference call this is going to be a really good gauge uh, of where indiana state is at and when you look at that score and it's 33 nothing and even though the game was competitive for a half you kind of felt man like Gosh, you know, you just fell short of that. And Coach Hiklinski actually jokingly uh, asked me after that week. He said, "Luke, if you ask me about being consistent one more time, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not going to answer the question." Uh, so throughout the rest of the year, I never brought up consistency again. So maybe that's what it was. Uh, but this, but this group did a great job, and they used that to make sure that hey, we're we don't want this to happen again. And they did an outstanding job. They improved. The team at the end of the year was not the same team uh, that played against Northern Iowa. And all credit goes to these guys for being able to find a way. And that, that's what they did all year was find a way. Your end of the game call in the regular season finale against Western Illinois, uh, I mean, the best way to put it is it, it gave me all the feels. It, it gave me chills listening to it. Snap is high. Hold is down. Kick is on the way. It is good! It's good! And the game is over! And Indiana State, for the first time in four years, has a chance at a playoff bid! They did it! They did it! Final score! Indiana State 15! Western Illinois 13! Hey, FCS committee, put them in! Put them in! Specifically, when you tell the FCS committee and you you put out a plea to them, put them in, put them in. When you are in those late game situations, is that something that you are practicing going into a game like that, thinking about prior to what might I say in certain situations? Or was that purely just in the moment, off the cuff, what came out of your mouth? What I try to do, Kelly, and whatever I do, whether it's an open, a close, I don't script. I'm not a big fan of scripting because I feel like if you script it, it doesn't sound genuine. Um, you know, people can, I think, you know, most people can tell uh, if it's something that's planned or if it's something that is scripted. So I, I mean, I go in and I mean, most of the time I'll have bullet points of what I want to bring up, but most of the time I let it go. I mean, I don't know how the game's going to go. You know, the game could go convincingly. It could go way Indiana State's way or like a year ago, it could go way the opponent's way. And I, and I have no control of that. 
But in that moment, I mean, that was just how much it meant to us. Uh, you know, there, there's no other way to describe it. Uh, you know, when you're around these guys as much as I am every day from the meetings to the to the to, to the practices, to the games, you're invested. Uh, and, and if I wasn't around them as much as I am, probably, you know, the energy wouldn't be there. You know, I tell everybody, you know, the energy, the passion, what you hear is how I feel. Uh, that That's not fabrication. Uh, I like to think that whatever you hear and whatever broadcast I do, whether it's Roberto Enriquez hitting a walk-off homer uh, against Southern Illinois, which was the second walk-off in, uh, in the tournament against the Salukis back in, back in the spring for baseball, or whether it's a walk-off field goal for Jerry Nunez, in that moment, it's going to be my feelings uh, and how I feel about that moment. And that's exactly how I felt. And when that kick went through, I think all of us just sensed they did it, you know, and that's why I said, you know, they did it. It seemed like every week somebody, I say somebody, but it seemed like every week as Indiana State was winning a game, it just felt like, well, yeah, you got Youngstown next. Youngstown's going to take care of it. Well, they go and beat Youngstown. Well, you know, you got two tough home games with South Dakota and Illinois State. Well, you beat South Dakota in three or Well, you got a ranked Illinois State team. They whooped Colorado State. It's probably going to end there. And then you beat Illinois State. Well, you got to go on the road. You got to win in Macomb, which is a place you've only won twice since 1989. And Indiana State did it. And, and that's why uh, the call, I, I hope it sounded genuine. I hope there was a connection because that's exactly what it was. It, it was just something that, that just came from me. Um, you know, Brian Fritz had to probably just control me there in the press box <laughs> and make sure I didn't jump out the window. Uh, so uh, you could probably ask Fritzy a tons of stories of my reactions throughout the year. But that that's why I do it. You know, I don't want to script anything. I don't I, – you know, you can always go through you – know, people say, man, you know, how would you call a walk-off game, you know, a walk-off kick, a last-second touchdown? I mean, those are things you dream of as kids. But really when you go through and you prepare for a game – you can't think that way because it may go a totally different way. And you just got to be prepared for the moment, be ready for the moment. That's why I prepare uh, every day of the week, uh, whether it's a note, whether it's a, a stat, whatever it is, to be ready for that moment when it comes. Because sometimes you think it's easy for those moments to, to just to just call it and, and let it breathe. Sometimes those can be the most difficult. So uh, not to get like play-by-play -play technicality there, but uh, – that's why that game meant so much. Uh, that win meant so much for this program and these guys. Uh, and that and that's why my emotion showed. And that's why the emotion will show uh, when we get it you know, started back up in 2019. But it was just the same uh, this past weekend for our basketball guys being Western Kentucky. You know, Whenever you can do something that no one believes you can do, uh, it's a special feeling. And that's why you know, I really love play-by-play -play because it allows you to tell a story. Uh, and, that's, uh, and that's why I hope uh, we continue to do throughout the year, regardless of what sport it is. You alluded to your passion. Where do you get your contagious energy and enthusiasm from? <laughs> you know, I, it's great. You know, my mom has a very upbeat personality. So I would say in terms of just being upbeat and positive, I'd say my mom um, she's always been really my rock in terms of supporting and whatever I wanted to do. Now, neither of my parents are broadcasters. I mean, my dad was a police officer for 25 plus years. Um, they both work at Cummins Incorporated in Columbus, Indiana, which is an engineering, uh, uh, which is an engine manufacturing company in Southern Indiana. And it's a global company. Um, so neither of them are really invested in sports. And when I wanted to be in sports, 
uh, they were kind of like, well, okay, you know, well, well, but they, they supported me. You know, they didn't really know when I said I want to do play-by-play when I want to do this. I think they somewhat had an idea, but I really think they had no idea uh, what I was getting into. But the person I really credit, and not just my contagious and, uh, and I, you know, I, you know, enthusiasm and passion, but I give credit to my TV teacher, Don Baker, uh, at Columbus East High School. Uh, Mr. Baker really believed in me before anybody else did. And then Bob Gaddis, uh, he's a, was the athletic director at Columbus East. He's still the football coach at Columbus East. And the reason I feel I'm so prepared for these moments and how to deal with a coach, how to deal with a player, is Coach Gaddis allowed a 14-year-old to be around his team meetings, to be in his locker room with a camera, uh, to do a TV show in high school. I mean, he allowed a 14, 15-year-old to do that. And I know there were probably a lot of things I said where Coach Gaddis was like, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't believe I'm <laughs> allowing this kid to do this. But I, I give all the credit to Coach Gaddis because he got me prepared to how to handle a Coach Mallory, whether it's after a win, after a loss, uh, how you deal with players after losses, how you deal with difficult losses, great wins, thrilling wins. Um, all of those moments got me prepared to go to Ball State. And then Chris Taylor at Ball State, uh, who is the head of the digital sports production pro- program there with Alex Cartman and Brad Daly, uh, those, all of those guys and my classmates there were outstanding. You know, Connor Onion being one of them, yeah. who I know you get to work Connor's with constantly great, yeah. there yeah, at Southern Illinois. Uh, Tyler Bradfield was another phenomenal play-by-play man there when I was in school. And I just learned so much from all of them. Um, I just love what I do. I mean, there's, there's no substitute for it. You know, right now, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not married. Uh, I, I don't have any kids. Uh, so I get to spend all my time doing what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. Uh, there's nothing else that I want to do. And I'm totally invested in this. It's, it's what I prepare all week for. It's what I live for those moments. Uh, and being able to build those relationships because that's what lasts a lifetime. That's why this Anybody that asks me, hey, why do you do what you do? It's all about relationships. It's all about seeing a Robert Tanyan Jr. having a big catch with Aaron Rodgers uh, in the NFL, to Jameer Thurman just last night winning the Grey Cup in the CFL, being able to text those guys and say, hey, congrats, you know, what a moment for you, and to have that connection, that genuine connection with them. Uh, it's all about relationships, Kelly. I know you know that because you're, you're in the field as well. Uh, it's why I always enjoy talking to you. It's why I always enjoy talking to Scott Warman. It's why I enjoy talking to Mike Kern, uh, Ryan Davis, everybody with the Valley. It's a terrific league. It's a great league because of the people and the relationships. And, and that's why I truly enjoy what I do each and every day. And, and that's, that's why uh, that, that passion and that enthusiasm uh, will always be there. Uh, it's because it's genuine. You know, I don't have to Trust me, I don't have to flip a switch uh, to go. Uh, that's just what I do. That's what I wake up every day and really enjoy. Really enjoy it. Since your parents weren't super into sports, where did your interest in sports come from? And you know what sparked specifically your interest in sports broadcasting? We were big Purdue fans growing up, and we had uh, season tickets to Purdue football games. So I, you know, I can remember walking in the Ross Aid Stadium and hearing the voice of Joe McConnell. Uh, Joe McConnell, who who has recently passed away, I think maybe about a year ago now. Uh, I would listen to Joe's voice and felt, man, you know how cool it would be uh, to be able to to have a job like that. Uh, but for me, kind of what really sparked it was listening to Larry Clisby. Uh, Larry Clisby is the play-by-play man at Purdue for men's basketball. And Cliz and I have built a really good relationship over the years. And uh, Cliz, as everybody calls him, has actually recently just gone through cancer. 
Uh, he's continuing to fight that battle now. I think he had stage four uh, lung cancer is what he had. Um, but he's calling games now. Uh, he fought through it. Uh, he's back to calling games for Purdue. But kind of the story how we got connected was it was back. My grandfather, Grandpa Martin, he worked at Purdue as an usher for, for years towards the end uh, at the games. And one of his one of his duties was guarding the media door uh, <laughs> or the media media room uh, is kind of what he would do. So you meet a lot of different media personalities. And I asked my grandfather, I said, hey, you know, how, could I meet Larry Clisby? He's like, yeah, sure, you know, we'll, we'll set it up. That'd be great. Uh, well, shortly after that, my grandfather actually tragically passed away in a car accident. Mm. Uh, and, I, you know, I never got that chance. I thought I'd never got get that chance to meet Clisby. Um, well, my, I guess my grandfather told my grandmother uh, when I came up in the summer, uh, I, my grandmother, I was helping her out with a couple things. The doorbell rang, and she said, hey, can you go get that for me? I was like, yeah, sure. I, this may be surprising with my personality, but I'm not very open about kind of meeting new people at times. I'm like, I don't know who this is. I'm very awkward. I'm like, Grandma, can you get the door? No. She's like, you go get the door. I was like, okay. So I'm walking to the door. I open the door, and there's Larry Clisby. <laughs> uh, and he's, he surprised me at my grandmother's house, and he walked in. He invited me to a game. Wow. Uh, which I uh, which I ultimately went to, which is Florida International. Uh, they play. This is back when Purdue had Robbie Hummel, Jawan Johnson, mm. Etwan Moore, really talented yeah. team, and was able to sit courtside with Clisby. And, I, and that whole moment, that's when I knew I wanted to be a broadcaster. Uh, the joke that Cliz still plays on me a little bit was that game was so odd because FIU began the game on an 18-0 run. They were up 18 to nothing. I remember they took a media <laughs> break, and Cliz looked to my right, and he's like. Buddy, this is definitely going to be your last game. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not invite, I'm not inviting you back. Purdue came back on like a 21-0 run, won the game with ease. It was just a, it was just a crazy game. Uh, but I still keep in touch with Cliz. I still keep in touch with Rob Blackman. Uh, that Purdue crew uh, really is is the ones that that showed me, wow, this can be a job. You know, this can be one that I can do and really have a passion for. Uh, and, and that's really what, what's carried me through it, uh, is that experience was one. I was like, wow, uh, this is, this is, I gotta do it. You know, there, there's no other debate. Uh, I know what I want to do with my life. And that was when I was in the seventh grade. So seventh, eighth grade, so right before high school. So I kind of knew what I wanted to do when I was in middle school and then ultimately pushed it through high school. Mm -hmm. Luke, take me through, let's do November since it's November right now, a typical November week when you're still in football season prepping for games but then basketball has started and the two sports are overlapping and what your week looks like yeah so I'll, I'll point out the week we had for illinois state so monday normally about 10 o'clock in the morning is when coach mallory would come in we do his weekly presser we also do his tv show which normally that takes maybe an hour and a half um and normally and monday's normally the football off day in terms of the guys. So that's their class. That's their academic day. But then the rest of it, normally it's a men's basketball practice at three o'clock that afternoon, go over, talk to coach Lansing, try to get a preview out for that week. Uh, but also then that night, you know, during the day, there's so many different video elements from uh, making sure we have an, the, the intro video to men's basketball to uh, coach Lansing's keys to the game, to uh, the verse graphic, you know, a lot of different things that uh, unfortunately come through our office, which luckily we hired a new video assistant who is from Ball State mm -hmm. as well, who was a classmate of mine, Logan Dubs. Uh, he's been a huge assist for us this year and just in terms of uh, being able to add it. Uh, but then Tuesday, uh, leave to go to Green Bay uh, for the game. Um, 
you know, and Tuesday was preparing, or I'm sorry, uh, Tuesday was uh, to get ready uh, for Ball State uh, because we had a game at Ball State. So Monday we leave, Tuesday night we play. Uh, we play Ball State, get beat, come back. Wednesday's my only day I can be at football practice. So go out to football practice that night. Football practice normally runs about 5 to about 7.30. Um, that's when I do coordinator's corner. It's when I get my interviews for the following Saturday because I know I'm going to be out uh, just due to traveling with basketball again. Um, so then Thursday morning after editing coordinator's corner, some of those video features, the Kurt Mallory show, then it's time to get ready for basketball again because we're flying the Green Bay. Um, we go to Green Bay Thursday night. We have the game Friday. During that time in the hotel, you know, I'm going through my spotting boards, making sure they're all ready to go, some finishing some notes. Of course, then get ready for the game against Green Bay. We play around 3 o'clock that day. Game ends about 5 o'clock. We get on the plane 6 o'clock. We fly back, get back to Terre Haute about 9 o'clock. And then Saturday morning, about normally 8, 9 o'clock is when I get to the stadium to set up our radio equipment and then get ready to go and then call the game yeah. and then kind of just recycle. You know, we're doing this Monday. Tomorrow we leave to go to San Jose, California for men's basketball, and then we'll be back for another game this weekend at home. So it can be crazy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff in between that I'll save the time <laughs> of, of trying to explain. But, you know, that's why also I think that's part of the realm that, my, I told you, like, my parents maybe didn't understand. I think there's a lot of people that go, man, you know, you got a great job. You just sit there and call the games. I was like, well, there's a lot more to it uh, than just the game day uh, atmosphere. You know, it's the game day atmosphere is great, but there's a lot of buildup. Uh, there's a lot of things before that that lead into it. It's not just, man, you know, I'm just going to show up and just call the game. You know, th there is much more to that, and it does. You know, and that's why, you know, I look at Coach Mallory not just as a coach, but, you know, I look at Tim as a friend, as a family member. Uh, and because you spend more time, I spend more time around Kurt Mallory uh, than I do my own family. And Coach Mallory even said it uh, when he first got hired. It's still something we joke about. It was about, I think, the third week of spring ball. And, and I was there, of course, early in the morning. And Coach Mallory's first spring practices, by the way, were at 5 a.m. I mean, they oh, were gosh. early. They were early practices. <laughs> wow. And he looked at me and he goes, you know what, Luke? I've seen you more than Lori. I've spent more time around you than my wife right now <laughs> since I've been here. So that's kind of a joke we've always been having going back and forth. But in all honesty, that's true. Uh, and that's why it's a that's why when you are around really good people, that's why it's special. Uh, and that's why this is a really cool gig, um, because when you're around great people, it, it makes it so much more enjoyable. No doubt, winning cures a lot. Trust me, win winning helps a lot. But these were still great people a year ago when we weren't winning. Uh, and it just makes it even more enjoyable now when you see that work really paying off. Isn't it funny how people assume that there's no lead up and prep <laughs> yeah. going into a game? I get that all the time, Luke. Uh, as you know, I live in Florida. And so when I'm home not doing a game... It's funny because I'll take my dog for a walk a couple of times a day and my neighbors assume because I'm home for the week or home for, you know, however many days, oh, that I'm off. And I'm like, no, I'm just working from home. Like I'm, you know, but it, it's just nobody understands really if you're not directly no. in the industry. No. Yeah. And it, but it's okay, you know, because it's, it's why we enjoy it. Um, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of extra work. Uh, you know, I, like, I mean, I, I actually have one of my spot boards here next to me. You know, I mean, this is, you know, this is the prep work. You know, I mean, this is what you spend all of your week going through. And, um, you know, that's what takes a lot of time, you know, and I know there are some, 
that, you know, everybody's different. You know, my spotting board is different from what Art Haynes uses, is different what Dick Lucky uses, is different from what Mike Reese uses it. But that's what also makes it fun because we all have different ways to remind ourselves of whether it's storylines or whatever it is throughout a game. Uh, and that's why the week, uh, you know, at times it can be stressful uh, because there's a lot of, you know, I wish I could always just focus on the game. You know, I really do. I wish Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it could just be prep, 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 prep. And, and that's all I do. But unfortunately uh, I do need a paycheck. I do have a job and there are other things that I have to do throughout the week that don't always allow me to do that. Um, but that's why also, you know, whatever I do, whether it's my Twitter, whatever that feed is, I make sure that what I'm talking about, what I'm doing probably about 98% of the time is about Indiana state. Uh, is about our athletes and about what they're doing, uh, because one of the one of the things I was told, Kelly, when I was when I started early on here and really started ramping up the coverage, right? Man, you know, it's great. You know, you really make Indiana State seem big time, and it was a, I mean, it was a great compliment. I appreciate it. But I looked at them and I said, well, this is a Division One program. I said they are big time. I mean, it's not me saying they're big time. I mean, this is a big time program, and the athletes and the teams here, whether it's our historic track and field program whether it's our basketball team, whether it's our football team, whether it's soft, whatever it is, swimming, doesn't matter. They're big-time programs. They are Division One programs, and they deserve uh, to be on the pedestal that I put them in. And they deserve that daily content. They deserve that coverage um, because they're, they're Division One athletes. Uh, they are big-time. Uh, there's no pretending to be big-time here. Uh, that is what we are. We're a big-time Division One program here in the state of Indiana, which we're proud to be a part of, and we're thankful to be a part of the Missouri Valley Conference. And we're going to act like like we should be, and that's to be very proud of our teams, to be proud of our coaches, to be proud of our athletes. Luke, you normally do play-by-play th- for three different sports, football, basketball, and baseball. And, and I'll let you get into a second why this season's a little bit different uh, with switching up basketball. But – how does your approach and delivery differ for each sport? Yeah, it's funny because basketball is much more fast-paced. You know, football is fast-paced too, but it's always different. You know, when we're playing Illinois State, it's probably a little bit easier to kind of take a breath. When you're playing South Dakota State and they take a snap offensively probably every 10 seconds, it seems, uh, you're like talking over your words and you're like, man, I, can I even take a breath? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking to Fritzy and Fritzy's like, I can't say anything because they're about to snap the ball, you know? So that's kind of the difference in that tone. Basketball, uh, it's just fast paced all the time. And, you know, because of, and it's different from radio and TV, you know, I, I think I, I haven't really had the chance to do a lot of TV, but I enjoy TV because it allows you to really tell more, tell more stories than necessarily saying where the ball is at, uh, because obviously radio, there's no, there's no image. So at all times, you got to make sure people, when they're listening, they know who has the ball, they know the score, they know the time and where it's at. You know, and like for football, for example, it's not just saying, hey, the ball is at the forty yard line. Is it near hash, far hash? Uh, when they're running it, are they, are they middle of the field? Are they above the near numbers? Are they below the near numbers? Are they at the far numbers? Are they near the sideline? You know, so there's a lot of different things where in TV, you can just casually kind of say what's happening because you can see it. You know, that doesn't mean it makes it easier by any stretch of the imagination. But just radio, there's a lot more you got a function of, okay, you know, is it a, you know, what kind of snap was it? Knee high, waist high, helmet high. 
uh, basketball? Are they dribbling with their right hand, knee high, hip high? Uh, you know, all, all these kind of different things where you kind of got to go through. And then baseball, I love uh, radio side of it because that is a little bit more where you, of course, have a little bit more dead time. Uh, it's not as fast paced, but when the ball is in play, it can be very fast paced. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's it's baseball can sometimes that can be the bigger challenges. You could be in the middle of a story and then boom, something happens right away, and you got to change. You got to you got to change direction. Um, and, and that's why the ups and downs of a baseball game. You know, our games against Southern Illinois. Uh, whereas thrilling it was for me, I'm sure it was deflating for Mike Reese because of those walk-offs late uh, and how entertaining those games were and going back and forth. But that's why baseball can be a lot of fun. You know, it's a long game. Uh, it can also go very fast. It can go very long. Uh, and I do baseball most of the time with Fritzy. Uh, we kind of split baseball from time to time. Um, but most of the time, we kind of do solo every once in a while. So when you're really by yourself, can really be a challenge um but the paces are all different and kind of like i guess like with my enthusiasm and where i interject it you know i try to make sure it isn't constantly you know i mean i'm excited about anything uh but at the same time you know if it's the first grab that gets the first first down of the game you know that's not necessarily you got to go really wild for that you know i mean you can you can tamper your emotions a little bit um but i i think each sport has its different challenges uh, you know, baseball, of course, it's you know, I, totally different. You know, you see a spot chart for football, it's different from basketball. And in baseball, it's basically just a scorebook, and you write down maybe a few stats that you just want to keep and then just go through uh, and see what and see how really the game dictates itself. But uh, baseball is just a different animal because you can walk up to coaches the day of, you know, uh, talk to talk to them at the batting cage, talk to the guys at the batting cage, use that in your broadcast. So that's why all those sports are different uh, and fun and they're sa- in their same mind. You know, when it's a close game in basketball and the crowd is standing and they're on top of you, yeah, that's that's a really cool feeling compared to being a football where most of the time you're above the crowd. <laughs> yeah. As the digital media coordinator, what type of content have you found is most popular among Indiana State fans? Well, there's no doubt it's locker room access, uh, and that's where I give all the credit to our coaches. Um, fans want to feel part of the team, and they want to see things that they just can't see. You know, they want to see more than just highlights. You know, because they can see it, they can watch the games, they can see where the games go. But what's being said in a huddle? What's being said in a locker room? Whether it's before the game, at halftime, post game, what's the emotion like after a big win? You know, and I and I really do feel give credit to our coaches and, and what they have done in terms of football and getting that program turned around. But I really think people were upset that Indiana State didn't get in because they felt like they were on the ride with us. You know, they were in the locker room, they heard the calls, they they saw the emotion of our guys, and we were able to take them on that ride with us. You know, there wasn't a fan that could go, man, I wonder what that locker room was like at Western. Well, they, you saw it. Uh, man, I wonder what Coach Mallory's message was after they beat Youngstown. You saw it. Um, and Coach Lansing's great. I mean, I, I, I speak so highly of him because he'll allow, I can go in at any time, and he will not look at me and be like, hey, get out of here. You know, he, he trusts me. He, he, knows, he, he knows that I know what should be filmed, <laughs> what shouldn't be filmed, um, you know, not to let anybody in on any secrets, you know, I mean, all of those stuff. I mean, he, he trusts me and it's like, I, I'm just part of the staff. 
And, and also, it's a great testament to the guys, you know, because I, I don't want to be a distraction either. You know, I don't want a camera in their face. I, I don't. I know they got to play a game. They got to compete for a game. And I know the locker room is a sacred place. I really do believe that uh, in all of our sports. Uh, but when we have a big moment like that, whether it's a coach just being emotional, about, I mean, Coach Lansing's response in the Western Kentucky win. If anybody hasn't seen him, you just go watch it. I mean, that that makes the video of him just of just just showing that emotion and being able to celebrate with his guys because I feel at times coaches can be looked at these like not as ordinary people at times you know they get put on these pedestals oh they're the head coach they're just they're just like you and me I mean they have just this emotion they care I mean they're a genuine person um, and that's why those videos I think always take off because people are like wow you know that's really cool you know we're in the locker room they seem they're just as pumped as I am well yeah I mean as they should be so for us those are the best content you know whenever we can take somebody behind the scenes and they can see what's in our locker room with our coaches they feel like they're part of the program. And I think that's why there's been more of a connection with Indiana State recently is we've been able to do that. You know, more people know the practice updates are great. Uh, you know, being able to go because I do that more to try to help folks like you, to try to help folks who are going to do our games. Because I try, you know, when I'm when I'm preparing for a game, I look up any video that week, yeah. whether it's an interview with a coach to get a quote. You know, I do all those things for our fans just so they can see whether it's their kids throughout the week, whatever it is. Those are great, but it's really those feature-esque, uh, you know, those those feature stories of being behind the scenes, uh, but also being able to tell the stories of our of our players. Uh, you know, whether it's we did a feature on Jaquan and Rex Mosley the last week of the season, we did one on Jonas going back home. Uh, I did one on C.J. Huntley and his battle back, um, where he uh, where he had a health scare a year ago. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of different stories that we've tried to tackle and we've tried to tell. I mean, those are the two biggest. It's no doubt those inside access stories, but also it is those stories of being able to take people uh, on the journey of our athlete and being able to tell their story in a very powerful way. Speaking of stories, this year is the 40th anniversary of the 1978-79 championship uh team or the, NC, the or the team rather that went to the NCAA championship that Larry Bird was a part of and you have some incredible content planned out before the January 19th celebration so if you would share some of what you have in the works yeah, we're actually getting ready to talk to a former player today, uh, right after I'm done with you and Steve Reed, uh, who's coming back to hand. He's the last player we need, and we've talked to everybody. Yeah. I mean, it was so neat to go down and talk with Larry Bird. Larry was great and was so gracious with his time, had a lot of great stories. You know, a lot of people didn't know before that year, Coach King, who was the head coach, had to step down due to the health reasons. Mm -hmm. And we highlighted that story uh, just last week. Uh, on our Twitter and social media accounts so those can see. And those are going to be the type of stories. It's more, I mean, that was a different time, you know, and for me, I'm kind of using this as a time to talk to each of those guys, to have those interviews and to tell their stories uh, of that season and kind of how it progressed throughout the year. Because, I mean, that was a team that finished runner-up to Magic Johnson and Michigan State. Yeah, uh, and kind of was the, you know, we're, kind of the hashtag we're using is March Went Mad. You know, Indiana State was kind of the first team that was an underdog and kind of made it that far. Uh, you know, I mean, to win 33 straight games and lose your last one in that fashion. Uh, the one antidote that I really enjoy that I found, uh, there's a few guys that are different, but most of the guys on the team have yet to watch that game. Really? 
most of them have said they refuse to watch uh, wow. because it just it just brings up uh, you know frustrations. Um, now you'll have guys like Carl Nix are like, oh, I'll watch it. You know, Carl has no problem with it, which we're going to retire his number in <laughs> January. Uh, but then there's some uh, like the athletic trainer Rick Shaw, who was a phenomenal interview. He's like. Anytime I see Michigan State on TV, I hope they lose. (laughs) So you you get a whole range of emotions, which is fun when you go through those interviews. But uh, it's been, for me, I wasn't alive during that time. So, I mean, I've heard about the team. Of course, you know about Larry Bird. But really, the whole thing about this is the team. You know, it, it was it was much more than just Larry. I mean, Larry was a big part of the team, but Carl Nix was pretty darn good too. Brad Miley was a good player as well. Steve Reed was a key aspect of that team too. So I mean, there are a, a lot of other guys too that I'm glad we're going to have the chance to be able to tell those stories throughout the year, and also have a chance to be able to give those back to the guys and be able to. I, I don't think they feel like they've been neglected uh, in a way, but. I do think Indiana State in the past hasn't necessarily done a lot to publicize what they've done. And, and we know this year, 40th year, uh, we need to do everything we can to publicize them, but also not publicize them, but tell their stories and what a wonderful year it was and how that really transcended. And, you know, it's still kind of a, as a surprise, you know, there's, of course, been a lot of Valley teams who have made the Final Four. Of course, Loyola a year ago, what Wichita was able to do when they were in the league. But the last team to make the Final Four in the Valley and win a game at the Final Four is that Indiana State team. Hmm. That's such an incredible idea to do all those stories on each player and everybody associated with the team that you're doing. I mean, it's just not only a gift to everybody involved, but so eye-opening and riveting to those of us that weren't maybe alive back then yeah. or, or maybe you were alive and you're just reliving it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really neat for me uh, to be able to go through those interviews and learn so much about a team that quite frankly, I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, you've heard about them, you've heard about that game, but to, to, again, to feel their emotions of what that season was like to hear all the different stories uh, that goes on. I mean, I mean, back then, uh, you know, a conference opponent was New Mexico state. You know, so hearing how Coach Hodges would take him to Juarez and how of an eye-opening experience that was for them. You know, I mean, it's really neat to hear a lot of those different stories and also hear about battles against old conference rivals who are no longer conference rivals. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of unique uh, in that way where we're so used to Indiana State, Southern Illinois battling out with Dan Muller versus Greg Lancey and Illinois State, Indiana State. Well, it was different uh, back in 79, back that 78-79 season. Shifting to women's basketball, the the women's team currently three and one on the season. They're three and zero oh on the road, and which I find impressive because they only yep. won four road games all of last year. So, what's impressed you about new coach Vicky Hall and her staff so far? Well, it's been exactly what Coach Mallory's done. Uh, it's been instilling a sense of belief in their players, uh, but also, I mean, a lot of discipline. You know, this is a program that. Uh, with all due respect in the past, just hasn't had the discipline needed uh, to be a successful team. You know, they've they've had good moments, um, but never consistently. And what Coach Hall has done, she doesn't care whether you're a senior, whether you're a freshman. There's a way she wants you to play. And, and she is going to be somebody that communicates that passion very clearly. Uh, there's no mixed messages from Vicki Hall. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Uh, you know exactly what she wants. You know exactly what she demands. And I think that's why it's been so much fun to watch. And Coach Hall, I have a lot of respect for. You know, she's very direct. 
Um, she, she's very uh, poignant in her responses. She, like I said, it, you're never going to get mixed messages from her. There's no coach speak. She loves the game of basketball. I think there's still going to be struggles with this team when the year goes on. There's, of course, going to be learning lessons as they go. But I got to tell you, this team is going to play their tails off for they're going to be much more disciplined than what they've been in years past. And we'll see. You know, the Valley on the men's side is there is so much parity. Well, I think Drake is in a league of their own right now on the women's side. I mean, they've been outstanding so far this year. And what Coach Baranchek has done is just tip your cap to what yeah, they continue to do in South Des Moines. Carolina. Yeah, I mean, just unreal what they continue to do. It's just remarkable. Uh, but Missouri State, of course, is always difficult. And But the rest of the league, though, I mean, it's kind of, well, we'll see what happens. Um, so, it, I mean, Indiana State is tough of as a year as we looked at it internally. I mean, finished, you know, right there in the middle of the pack. So it's not, and there wasn't much difference to, they were close to beating you and I a couple times. So it's one of those leagues where the parity is there, uh, but it's more of, wow, you got Drake, who's really good. And then Missouri state, who's normally right behind him. But then the rest of the league, Northern Iowa is normally that third team that's in there on the women's side, but then it's kind of, all right, it could be anybody different on any given night. Luke, before you took the job full-time at Indiana state, you had an afternoon radio show, uh, locally on the ESPN affiliate there called In the In the Hote with uh, yep. Luke Martin. How did the the valuable experience that you gained in that job get you ready for your current position? I love that job. Uh, it, it was it's why I left UNCG where I worked at originally to come back to Indiana. James Connor gave me that opportunity. James Connor, who's still with MS Communications. Uh, James hired me as freelance to do a couple baseball state finals games for some Terre Haute schools that made it Terre Haute North to be exact at Victory Field. And he always kind of had me on his list of guys if a job opened up, uh, which Vaso Michaels had that job prior to me. Uh, and Vaso someone I built a really good relationship with and have a lot of respect for as well. And when Vaso left and took another job, James called me and said, I want you to have it. And when I went there, I kind of preached this show idea and it was, again, it was about local sports. You know, we would talk national sports, but, I mean, it would be one of those things where if we talk national sports like the World Series, we'd have Dan Schulman on with us. Um, you know, we talked to Indianapolis Colts football with Reggie Wayne. Uh, that was one of my, probably my coolest interviews I've ever done. Uh, we had John McNichols uh, on to talk about the track, uh, the cross-country championships and sending Darius Washington uh, and David Timlin the Nationals. I mean, all types of different things to the local high school sports scene. Uh, to talking about Northview, Terre Haute North, Terre Haute South, West Vigo. Uh, that experience, I think, not only showed me that, one, I, I felt like I loved what I was doing, uh, but that this area does care uh, about what's going on locally. You know, that's kind of been one thing I've heard in the past. Eh, people just don't care here. No, they do. Uh, people do care, and we showed it. And what hurt so much is after about a month or two I started, you know, I got word that, our station was going to sell mm. and that the station was not going to be in existence in about, you know, a couple months. Uh, and I knew that that's when I had to look probably for another job. Uh, and luckily at that time, Indiana state had an opening and that's when I came here. And, uh, but that show doing that each and every day was a challenge because you had to fill an hour each and every day. People think, ah, oh, it's just an hour. <laughs> that's a lot of time. Uh, and I always prided myself to not be the guy that rambles for, you know, it's just myself for 20 minutes and doing a hot take on what I think of LeBron going back to Cleveland or going to L.A. I'm like, that. 
save that for Colin Cowherd. Save that for the major shows. You know, I'm going to talk about what's happening here in the Valley. I'm going to talk about what's happening at Indiana State uh, because that's what's going to get people to, to, to drive to you and want to listen to you. And that whole experience allowed me to have success here at Indiana State because I was already working with our coaches then, you know, before I got over here. And then when I got here, it just it was Indiana State 24-7, and that's what it's been since then. When you have the rare occasion where you have to be critical or share some type of negative news that needs to be made public about one of the teams that you cover, uh, how, do you, how do you balance the responsibility to the listener while still having your loyalty to the, the coaches, the players, the, the staff that you're so close with? I think the biggest thing I always say is not everything has to be tweeted. You know, I mean, I mean, if, if something bad and when you're 0 and 11 in football, uh, that kind of speaks volumes. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, and, and Brian Fritz, I think really helped me out a lot with it because I took last year really hard in terms of just those losses. That's just being honest. I mean, it's just like you said, I mean, when, when you're getting beat, you know, when Youngstown state hangs 70 plus points on you, you know, it doesn't take an Einstein to say, well, we just didn't play very well today. Um, you know, the one thing I always try to avoid is criticizing a specific player. Um, that is one thing I just think is not right to do, specifically at the collegiate level. Professionally, it's different. You're getting a paycheck. You can be a little bit more critical. Uh, but for us, if a team didn't play well, it's a team. You know, I try to make sure that, especially in whatever we do, and, and I try not to be negative. Uh, but again, like you said, you know, there's going to be some, some games that don't go your way uh, where you lose a heartbreaker. Um, you know, I, I remember when I first started at Indiana State, at Indiana State men beat Butler. That following weekend, they got whooped by Western Kentucky. I mean, and it was a, and it was a like whoa, you know, like night and day difference. Last year, we beat Indiana to start the year; everything was great, and then there was some, you know, some frustrations with some losses there late. That trust me, I mean, it's not that everything's hunky dory, yeah. um, because it's not. Um, so for me, what I always try to do, if there's anything that doesn't go well, you always, you make it a team thing. It's 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 everybody's thing. Um, and also just being honest. I mean, when you're in the middle of a game and things aren't going well, I mean, I remember a uh, women's basketball game. You and I uh, was uh, in the Holman Center, and I, Indiana State couldn't get the ball past half court. I mean, you and I forced, I think it was like five turnovers, it seemed like, in the final minute. <laughs> I, you know, and on the air, I'm just like, you know, this is just not very good <laughs> you know, right now. For I mean, there's just some times where you just got to say exactly what yeah. it is. But you can, and you can do that. And that's why, I mean, you know, I always try, you know, people always say me, you know, are you a homer or whatever? Like, to me, homerism is every call is a bad call. Uh, I try never, at least in terms of my broadcast, to say we, yeah. you know, kind of going back to the call that I had against Western, you know, I didn't say put us in. Yeah. I said put them in. You know, I I try to make sure that I stay in my lane and know that there is a, you know, I feel part of the team. I am part of the program. But when I put on this headset, when I call a game, I, I got I got to be, yeah, I'm going to lean towards Indiana State. But at the same time, I can't avoid all of the good stories on the other side. And when somebody else on the other team makes a good play, you just can't totally just look past it. Um, mm-hmm. So those are the ways I kind of look at it. But you're right. I mean, not everything's great. You know, there are going to be some difficult stories. Some coaches, you know, during my time here have lost their jobs uh, when I've been here, um, but not you thank them for their time. And again, at the same time, I feel in this day of social media, everybody feels like you have to tweet something about everything. <laughs> and sometimes saying nothing is just fine. <laughs> yeah. How did you go about developing your own style as a broadcaster? 
like I said, it's just a mixture of, of uh, you know, a lot of different things from listening to different people. To me, you got to listen uh, to other broadcasters. Um, I always, and I, and I really do do this, uh, when it's an off week for me or when I'm in the Valley and I'm trying to check other scores, I, I tune into their other broadcasters. You know, I listen to what Jeff Colhane's doing. Uh, I listen to Scott Kornberg at Western Illinois. I'll listen to Mike Reese. I'll listen to Dick Lucky. I'd rather do that than watch ESPN3 um, just because there's something that those guys have been doing for a long time, you know. I mean, there's a reason Mike Reese has been at Southern Illinois for a long time. I mean, he's really good at what he does. It's the same thing with Dick Lucky. It's the same thing uh, for all of those guys uh, that we get to see on the football side and even, you know, digging into the basketball side. So uh, I always try to to pick up little things from whoever it is, whether it's uh, listening to a broadcast, listening to the guys growing up. Uh, The biggest thing is I always try, like, Clisby's big saying was bullseye. Uh, when there's a big three-pointer, he always would say bullseye. And I remember one time we were having a game, we hit a big three, and I said bullseye. And I internally, I just kept going, but I was like, you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that sounds way too much like Cliz. Uh, so for me, that's where it's hard. You know, everybody says, man, do you have a catchphrase? Do you have this? Do you have that? I, I'm not a catchphrase guy. I just, just say what comes naturally. And I, I feel... The ones that like I gotta say this every every time, you know, like, that's just not me. That that's not my style. And those that have it, terrific. Uh, that's great. Maybe I'm just not that creative uh, in terms of finding uh, a signature way to call something. Um, but that's just how I've always done it. And I, because I want people to know, hey, when they listen to me, they know it's me. Uh, it's not somebody else. Um, you know, I, I just I, I want to be my own voice. Uh, and part of that is is the energy that you mentioned, and you know I, I want people to know that how important that play is from an Indiana State perspective, and uh, but also like I said, you know give your opponent some due too. You know it just can't all be it can't always be doom and gloom um, when when things aren't going your way, uh, which I had to practice that a lot uh, <laughs> a year a year ago in terms of the football realm. So yeah, it's just listening to others uh, because you know what you don't know everything. You know you. You can be as talented as you are. You can be as great as what you are, um, and you can have a great skill set. But if you don't listen to yourself, number one, I always go back and I re-listen to our broadcast, even when I think I, I, I didn't have a good broadcast. Um, and I always listen to others uh, because those are ways that help you pick up on things and make you have reminders of, huh, you know, maybe these are things I should do a little bit better at. Any parting advice for aspiring broadcasters? Well, you got to do it. Uh, you know, when I was at, I interned right out of school at MLB Network, and it was a really cool experience, but all of my time was logging video um, and not doing what I really wanted to do. And I was able to have a sit-down conversation with Brian Kenny, who's one of their yeah. uh, hosts at, at, at MLB Network, who is just a terrific human being. Uh, we had a common connection uh, through a contact that I had, and we met and talked. And he asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I want to be a play-by-play guy. You know, I want to be an announcer. I want to be a talent guy. And he's like, well, this is great experience. You can see what I'm doing. But the only way you're going to be able to do what you want to do is you got to do it. Yeah. And, you know, whether that's in Montana, a small-town market, to where I eventually went to Greensboro, North Carolina, at UNCG to still do some video elements – you know, I think that's my biggest advice is don't just be – you don't want to be a jack-of-all-trades because the jack-of-all-trades is the master of none. Um, you need to have something you're good at. You need to have one or two things that you can say, hey, this is what I want to do. But at the same time, if you want to get a job, uh, you know, for me at Indiana State, if I didn't know how to video edit it and I didn't know how to shoot, I wouldn't be here. You know, I feel like I am a good broadcaster. 
I feel I do a really good job in terms of my play-by-play and what I bring to our broadcast. But if I couldn't shoot, if I couldn't edit, if I couldn't do any of that, I wouldn't be here. Uh, so be sure to build a skill set to where you can get a job, at least to get started and get in. You know, once you get down the line and, you know, for me, I hope I can go to a school where maybe the video realm is a little bit smaller and I can focus on uh, the broadcast portion of it. Uh, but also that's why, you know, I'm fortunate to have a job and I'm fortunate to have a really good job. Uh, I think just don't say, man, I just, you know, want to do one thing. If all you want to do is play by play, that's great. You know, it's just, it's going to be tough starting out because those jobs just don't pay extremely well and they're hard to get. Yeah. Uh, they're really hard jobs. Uh, and that's why when you get them, it's, it's like you got gold. <laughs> Luke, I really appreciate you taking the time. This is so fun. As you know, I, I think the world of you, uh, you're one of the, the most dependable people I know. And I always appreciate our friendship. And you're always willing to do anything to help anybody else. Uh, and so your, your enthusiasm, it's contagious. You have a tireless work ethic. And I just respect the heck out of you. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful for our friendship. I appreciate it, Kelly. And you know that that feeling is extremely mutual. You know, even though I'm bummed that football is over for us right now. um, But, you know, I'm excited for basketball because that means I'll get to see you uh, very shortly in the Holman Center or wherever we go throughout the league. I really appreciate the time and it's so much fun to talk with you and look forward to many more conversations. Of course. If you like what you heard from Luke Martin and our MVFC First and Goal podcast, please do us a favor and share, subscribe, and leave a review. Lineupmedia.fm also is home to many other sports podcasts, shows like Bleacher Bums, 11th Inning Stretch, and Performance Nation. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Burke the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.